Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that explores the breadth of human fandom. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to be entering the Howard Halls as we ask the question, is fandom a religion? Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. Yo! And Nick Z. Ahoy, uh, ahoy. Fellas, is fandom a religion? Do we pray at the altar of Baby Yoda? Did you come up with that all by yourself? It's what they call improvisation. I wish I had skills like that. I think broadly the answer is no. But the only reason that I say no is because I think one thing that is kind of necessary for a religion but absent from fandom is like this belief in a higher power. I think that alone is like, nah, fandom isn't a religion. But in other ways, maybe. Maybe it is. I offer up to you Buddhism. Ah. I don't know. I'm not a theologist. Would, yeah, would, would Buddhists consider themselves religious? Well, in a recent trial somewhere in North America, somebody was trying to use that as an example of why atheism should be allowed to open a church and get not-for-profit status. Oh, wow. Interesting, interesting. On the grounds of law, I think that for something to be religion, it has to have a book of practice and have people worship and some other third requirement. It's all pretty flexible, I think. Hmm. But in this case, it didn't didn't work out for the group. I get that tax-exempt status. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that was the sole determinant, but they were trying to, to form some sort of nonprofit and the government was like, no, you, you can't do that. It's interesting. Although that uh, that third requirement could be something related to uh, to more supernatural ideas. Based on those first two, it sounds like fandom very well could be a religion. Book of practice, regular worship. What's the book of practice for fandom, Z? I mean, it depends on the fandom. Uh, okay, pick, pick a fandom. Tell me their book of practice. Zelda, the Hyrule Historia. The sacred texts. <laughs> I mean, nobody said anything about religion being unified in, in one single thing. Like, look at Christianity. You got, you got so many flavors. Lots of delicious flavors of Christianity out there for people to sample. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you know, you got... What am I... What is the sacred texts from? Star Wars. Oh, wow. <laughs> no wonder they didn't like The Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, I feel like that's also been a bunch of cartoons and stuff like that where people refer to some canonicity or some old book of lore about a fandom as the sacred texts. Uh, especially the curative side of fandom really can resemble religion quite a lot. You you know, you have in Judaism, you have like the Talmud, right? Which is like interpretations of, of the Torah and, and what is, I don't remember the name they have for like the books of the Bible that are after the first five. But like, it's all how to interpret and like, what are forums if not that? <laughs> like, just like, no, this actually means this because this, and now the meaning of this has changed because this has been introduced. Yeah, and as we talked about in a previous episode, like some fandoms are definitely more prone to uh, to having this canonitis or canonization of things, canonization of facts, of, of details, putting things in a, in a different lens. We don't call, I don't know, woodworkers, nope, bad example, uh, authors, nope. There are professions where you like follow a book and we don't make that a religion, right? Like where you follow instructions, actually construction. There's a whole code. There's a literal code, a building code that things need to follow. We don't call construction workers. We don't draw the the connection there between uh, construction and religion. I would first say, I don't know how many construction fans there are. Uh, and those would be rules, not laws. Uh, I feel like a law is conceptually a different thing. And not that many people say, like, this is the law of fandom, but I feel like they're treated more like like religious laws than, like, rules on how to do a job would be. Also, have you heard the good word? 
about I don't know Firefly or whatever. Oh man! Like people, people are thumping thumping for their favorite properties pretty hard. Namely, Firefly. <laughs> I mean, it's got it's died down a little bit. It's almost twenty years old now. Whoa! But uh, you know, you're gonna hear you're gonna hear it from fans. Well, proselytization isn't limited to fandom and religion. I'm sure. No, all sorts, all sorts of discourse. <laughs> you have rites of passage too. Oh, you have to watch this really bad episode. Then you know, like, what this fandom is really about. Or you have to start with this one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We should have turned this into proof that fandom isn't a religious. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like more and more the only thing it doesn't have is that tax-exempt status. And a belief in a higher power? I don't think that's required for a religion. I mean, even if it is, like, keeping with the Zelda thing, or, you know, maybe some people regard Shigeru Miyamoto as this higher power i mean george r. r martin right yeah 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 he takes his time but he is the arbiter J.R.R. tolkien his will is ineffable at this point <sighs> yeah but we're still trying to figure it out <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. this is maybe more of a religious point than anything else but like i guess that higher power could just be very very abstract and the sort of central figure that people crowd around is more of like an avatar of that yeah i mean jk rowling's maybe taking a few too many trips on Mount Sinai by this point. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah, like the author, the author's not God, like maybe in like they decide what is canon sort of thing. And Rice would certainly yeah. like to be. Yeah. But um, no, what the what is what is revered is the work. Yeah. And, you know, the authors are like the prophets of the work and also reap the prophets from the work. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, when you were mentioning Anne Rice, I was just realizing the the wonderful cross-pollination there because not only is she the kind of person that would want things to like be canonized and this is the way things are and you can't change it, but also then she went into like Bible fan fiction. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. I almost want to read it, but I don't. If we ever have any questions, we can ask Vry and uh, they will probably <laughs> tell us terrible things about it. Uh, if you're curious about that, go see our uh, our episode on... Vampire Chronicles, right? Yeah, Vampire Chronicles. I mean, we I mean, we see people's fervency. It is clearly enough to drive them to comment and uh, shun unbelievers sometimes. Are definitely people, fans are definitely aware of blasphemy. <laughs> that is inarguable at this point. You're a Star Wars fan and you haven't seen the holiday special? Ugh, how can you even call yourself a fan? I mean, things like having a Star Wars movie where like women are prominent. That's clearly blasphemy to some some fans. I wonder if it's if it's less that fandom is religion or if, like many things that have um, happened over long eon, not eons long, at least 2000 years where we have things that were strictly religious that have become taken out of that context. We talked on a previous episode about canon and how that used to be biblical, literally, and then became part of English literature and now is talked about in terms of fandom. We talked about rites of passage in this episode or alluded to it and rites of passage probably originally referred to like a religious feature, a religious event. And now we use them for like just a marking point. It's not a, it's not really a quote rite of passage. It's not something you have to do to go to clear the passage from one stage to another. It's just a milestone. It's just a marker. You can be a fan of Star Wars and not have seen the original trilogy or the first trilogy. Figure out what the difference between those two is on your own. T, 
you can't pick and choose which parts you want to follow oh you monster <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely can that's the whole i could do this for days yeah i know I could you do could this for days <laughs> like maybe it's better to say like like is fandom like not replacing it like the existence of fandom doesn't mean religion is less but like is fandom taking the role that a religion would in people's lives I wouldn't go quite that far, but I, I think the answer to that is yes. Like in many ways, there's data to support the idea, the the fact that less people are part of organized religion. There are, in North America at least, there are more people who identify as atheists or agnostics or um, non-denominational whatsoever or spiritual. Um, but in addition to that, I think when people are looking, one of the things that organized religion in the West has done is it gives people community, it gives people purpose, it gives people hope. And fandom, I think, has done a lot of that. People use fandom as a means of finding communities to find like-minded people. And thank God there's fans of of media that is creating hope. Even stupid kids shows, like, I say stupid kids shows even though I love them, but I, I mean like in the the regular derogatory way people put it like stupid kids shows like Steven universe. Does it have some high up there cultural significance? Like, I don't know the, the Bible, the Quran, the Torah. No, but like people watching those episodes, it gives them hope because it, it shows things that they are, that other things are not. It gives people hope because it shows people making changes that matter, uh, making small changes on like a grand scale, but they like feel human, even though they're aliens. Religion doesn't always do that. I think a lot of people, a lot of people are turning to fandom for things like that. I'm shocked. The Bible still exists basically as a, I mean, it's been through a lot of changes, but that it's still represented as this story from 2000 years ago, kind of thing. Like I'm surprised it has not been put in a more modern context. Honestly. Like, I mean, there, there are several different versions of it, but like, isn't the, that's the idea behind the King James Bible and like all the other ones, right? Except all those revisions happened hundreds of years ago. I mean, like Jesus is living in 2020 or something like, like that sort of modernization. But like, there's this aspect of like, it's a, like the Bible's also history. Like fan of people, things people are fans of are often have a lot more direct relation. And like people are, are able to see themselves in, modern fandoms a lot more than a lot of religious stuff yeah i mean it's just much easier to relate to stuff happening now than a bunch of people walking around in 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 bible days (laughs) in bible times (laughs) you know when the earth was created three thousand years ago but seriously i think the reason why there hasn't been like a modern day like why the the bible the latest translation of the bible doesn't have like Jesus pulling out a cell phone and like texting Judas, I don't know, whatever the emoticon is for betrayer or whatnot. <laughs> it's a dagger. It's a dagger. dagger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a dagger emoji. I think that's just because most of the Christian churches, if they can only agree on one thing, it's that, you know, the story of the Bible is timeless. So why bother changing it? Why bother updating any elements? I think Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet would quibble with that. Oh my god, longsword? <laughs> awesome. There are definitely, like, movies... I'm sure there are definitely, like, all sorts of examples from Christian cinema and Christian TV that basically are Christ stories set in the modern day. And there are also totally, like, non... not at all Christian Christ stories out there in media. 
but that's not like the the official text. I'll do you one better. Uh, Russell T. Davis, mm-hmm. man who brought Doctor Who back in 2005, made a show called The Second Coming, where Christopher Eccleston played the reincarnation of Jesus in the modern day. Hmm. How did that go? I feel like it went well, actually. Oh, okay. I know it sounds like a setup for <laughs> failure, but I think it was received pretty well. I think if that had happened in, in the US, it might have been received differently. Agreed. Yeah. If we're making a comparison between like adaptations of like longstanding religious works, like I think that's kind of true of a lot of different religions. I know that um, not all religions are organized in the same way. Actually, that's sorry. Let's let's roll that back. I think there are some examples where we have seen modern interpretations of things. If you want to go super loose, one of our favorites, uh, or at least one of our previous favorites, Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. Is not the the Monkey King, is that not part of, not necessarily Buddhist um, work, but it's like the three... I don't think it's religion. Ah, damn it. There is like a religious sort of element to the, the kickoff of the story. I mean, part of the Monkey King's journey, part of what the Monkey King does is help a Buddhist monk either go somewhere to get scriptures or to bring scriptures somewhere. So, I mean, there is that element to it, but... I don't know if it would necessarily be considered an important text with something really essential to say in a way that's different from, say, an individual parable having something important to say, like the rich are bad. Man, what what is going into a convention other than going to a multi-denominational church? <laughs> when you see other people in community who like those same fandoms, you're, te- you're reciting catchphrases at each other, giving each other the Vulcan hand salute or what have you. <laughs> You're suggested to per- to purchase items. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're joking, but like in my mind, I I always go back to like I'm using Star Wars a lot, not because I remember it any more than anything else, but it's just kind of top of mind for some reason. But I'm thinking about whenever they say "May the Force be with you," and my immediate <laughs> response <laughs> is always "And also with you." And I'm like, oh boy, that's uh, that's there. It is right some, there. Some pretty ingrained stuff, right? Oh there. yeah. That's true, and you do have your your various uh, like important figures. You've got your like whether they're voice actors or animators or video game developers, and people don't worship them per se, but they do hold them in high regard. There there are definitely resemblances. I mean, I guess we're at a bit of a disadvantage because we're not religious scholars. We don't know all of the like heck. Even that's a big field. Yeah, there's a lot of religion. Well, like even if you go outside the the largest ones, if you go outside of Christianity, Judaism, and and uh, Islam, and you've got all of the others, which includes other big ones like Hinduism and Buddhism, and then like a variety of other spiritual practices, and increasingly mm-hmm. smaller denominations of things. Yeah, and like in those margins, I'm sure there are like examples of modern works that do retell those stories. And then you can draw even larger lines for fandom, uh, even larger connections, rather. Uh, but that's definitely outside of my area of expertise. <laughs> We're all just stories in the end. <laughs> Make it a good oh, one. Oh, God. If I knew more about fate, uh, there's like, I don't know, Gilgamesh is like a important character, but also is a character in a bunch of anime based off of the character from the stories. <laughs> The Epic of Gilgamesh. Yeah, that one. That thing. Whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I typed into Google fandom as, 
And the first thing that popped up was religion. I mean, it gave me an article about like how in England there's a lot of people who are like Jedis or whatever, but that's not really like what I'm talking about. I'm probably treading ground that we've already covered here, but just to tread it and maybe see if another path opens up or something. Um, but like religion, if you kind of take away the higher power thing, if you just, or ignore that or set it aside, it is really about that sense of community and that sense of hope that I believe T was talking about earlier. And so it makes a lot of sense that fandoms could step in and do that, not just because they themselves are uh, filled with messages of hope like Steven Universe is, but because stories in general are both, you know, incredibly entertaining. Maybe they're a little bit informative, but like one of the sort of core reasons, I'm not the first to, to think this, I'm not the first to say this, uh, why people are drawn to stories and why stories have persisted. And it's not just, you know, here are the numbers. I like the numbers. Here's the data. I like the data. Uh, it's because the stories bring a meaning to those things. And so when life can seem very meaningless, very random, it helps to have a story there. So if you've got a fandom where, you know, it's around some piece of media and, um, you know, supposedly that piece of media has some kind of story, even if it's, uh, largely up to the viewer to figure out what that story is, i.e. Twin Peaks, um, there's still a meaning there and there's still meaning making happening there. And you've also got a community because you're probably, you know, talking about it with other people. You're probably building bonds around different theories and like you, I agree with this. I don't agree with that idea and like all of that. So, I mean, the correlation between fandom and religion just seems so strong to me. Yeah. It's people coalescing around. They, they enjoy the message of this piece of media. Right. And the story that that has that message woven into it. So like it all extends from the same place. So it occupies like a similar, a similar space in people's lives, which I think is fascinating. I think the one spot where it whiffs a little bit is that like certainly in aggregate fandom doesn't like you can't just say, quote, fandom. Fandom doesn't have a particular set of beliefs. Mm -hmm. But like, I think even if you were to pick a particular fandom, I don't know that you would get. And I know this is true of religion as well, that you wouldn't necessarily get like a, a coherent set of beliefs. Like if you were to pick Doctor Who and and if we were to suppose that Who Whovianism is a religion, like I, do, I don't yeah. know what the beliefs of Whovians would be. Like I, even if I were to break it into factions, I don't know what the core beliefs would be. I mean, I think a lot of that changed when uh, Christopher Chipnail nailed his 95 theses to the church door recently. The only thing that I think you could universally pull from Doctor Who fandom is nothing is certain. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So it's like a left-hand path kind of religion. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there are some some media that have rules inherent to them. Star Wars has the Jedi and the Sith, which let's pretend that those all make sense uh, and aren't constantly being argued about. But like, you know, you've generally got some really bad ideas about what Jedi should do and also some really bad ideas about what Sith should do, but they're codified. They've, they've got beliefs yeah. there. Other show, like, actually, there are some shows that I imagine you could get some core beliefs out of, like Steven Universe. Oh, sure. Like growth and change and 
and uh, helping others and empathy and things like that. But there are lots of other shows. Well, are, we, are we are we talking about getting it from the shows or the fandom? Uh, I mean, either. But like, I just like some shows I think would not have one consistent set. They'd have like a huge range. And that's why I use Doctor Who as the example. <laughs> Written by hundreds of people over <laughs> decades. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all I can really say is be excellent to each other. <laughs> <laughs> the second part of which is party on, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that caught on in the distant year of looking it up now. 2688. Oh, that's very far in the future. Yeah. If you're listening to this episode in the year 2688, feel free to leave a message to us, the devout followers of Anthropological. Uh, it will echo across the void and reach our astral forms. <laughs> yeah, and you can send that to Nick at the nickscast.com. Or if you want to get in touch with the show on Facebook and Twitter, you can do so at Fanthropological on Facebook and at Fanthropologic on Twitter. If you want to know what the three, what else the three of us are up to, we can be found at the Nixcast basically everywhere on the internet. Uh, as for our individual projects, I can be, I'm a musician. I can be found at fragileair.bandcamp.com or fragileair on any reputable streaming service. If you'd like to uh, have your ears feast on that. If you want to know what I'm up to, you can check out the Zeal Archives, which is a podcast that's about the world of Chrono Trigger, taking it one bit at a time. But it's also a little bit of an audio drama telling the story of two characters, T and G, who are just trying to find their way home. You can find that at zealarchives.com. You can also follow that on Facebook or Twitter, both Zeal Archives. And new episodes come out every two weeks on Thursdays, which happens to be weeks that we don't release Phanthropological. And if you're wondering what I am up to, it's mostly writing and doing a little translation, trying to uh, patch together a little self-publishing side hustle. And part of that can be found over on Amazon, any Amazon of your choosing. You just punch into the search bar there, Beowulf, a mostly modern verse translation, or NSC Zakarwitz, if you want a little bit more of a challenge. And my translation of Beowulf, a mostly modern verse translation, should be in the results. Happy reading. All right, that is going to do it for this week, everybody. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. I mean, things like having a Star Wars movie where, like, women are prominent. That's clearly blasphemy to some some fans. Yeah, you've got all the classic... Oh, no, I'm not going that far. No. <laughs> it's like, this, this episode is flirting a line and I'm ready to jump over. Um, In Bible days. <laughs> In Bible times. <laughs> you know, when the Earth was created 3,000 years ago. <laughs> Uh, but it's going to be a fun one to edit. But but seriously, but seriously. What? What? I, I'm not sure what you need to edit in this ah. episode. <laughs> Shining jewel, boy. Breaking news: We have a special announcement from the Epic Film Guys. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. 
Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.